This is the inaugural edition of a pastoral podcast, and I am Tony Del Riva at Firm Foundation Bible Church in Prescott Valley. Shouldn't you say Reverend De La Riva? (laughs) (laughs) This is the Reverend over here. And uh, yeah, I am uh, Lloyd Murphy, the pastor teacher of Firm Foundation Bible Church, uh, also known as the Archbishop Emeritus of Camarillo. Um, That's kind of an inside thing, but I still claim it. (laughs) Well, all those in your parish of in the parish of Camarillo will recognize that and appreciate it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, like I said, this is the inaugural edition of a pastoral podcast. Um, Just one of a number of podcasts that are out there. It's just another pastoral podcast, but it's designed to help everyday Christians grow in Christ by providing biblical answers to the hard questions that we all wrestle with. Uh, Specifically, it's designed to help uh, our own people here at Firm Foundation, uh, designed to help them work through uh, some of these things. And the questions that we will be dealing with and the question that we're dealing with today actually came directly from the people in our own uh, assembly here. Mm. Um, And so with that, the question that we are dealing with today is what is the difference between legalism and spiritual discipline? Mm. Yeah, this is such a practical matter. Um, I think we all wrestle with this. To one degree or another, not only maybe initially in our Christian life, but um, even in different seasons of our Christian life, we can kind of fall into a pattern of legalism, um, you know, and uh, it's just oftentimes difficult to know where to go. So yeah. I remember you mentioning uh, a quote from John Owen that really impacted you early on as a believer that kind of helped frame this for you. Yeah, it definitely did, um, and I do want to. I do want to read that in a second. But can you? But why do you think? By the way, uh, why is this such a struggle for new Christians, or even sometimes people who have been saved for decades? Like, what is this? What does this struggle typically look like for them? Like, what are some of the questions that they wrestle with when it comes to this matter of spiritual discipline versus? Versus legalism. Well, you know, Scripture tells us clearly that we're saved by grace through faith. Um, there is nothing we can do to save ourselves. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, you know, that very thing. And that if we try to add anything to the work of salvation, then we're boasting. And that's obnoxious to God. That's an abomination um, so we're saved solely by the grace of God. And yet, once we're saved, God begins to transform us. And uh, that's where uh, things get confusing, because uh, God is at work transforming us, and yet the New Testament very clearly calls us to work at our salvation. And I think the key text for me on this is Philippians 2, 12 through 13, where um, uh, Paul says, uh, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, 
So now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it's interesting that uh, he's not saying work for your salvation, but he says work it out. Yeah. Um, and so that's an active thing. And so we're supposed to do something, and yet it's God at work in us. And so how do we balance those things out? And I think it's kind of a tightrope, and a lot of times you have Christians falling off one side or the other. Well, yeah, and I think along those same lines, um, Christians feel they feel the the obligation to be at work at things, mm-hmm. right? Like, like they f- they feel the sense of duty or responsibility to do certain things, whether it's you know reading their Bible or praying every day, um, and, and yet at the same time they'll say things like, "But I don't I don't want to be a legalist about it, or I don't want to make a law out of it," mm-hmm. right? They even say things like that, and I I've even heard Christians at different times. Uh, in my life as a believer, I've heard Christians even say things like, well, I didn't I didn't read my Bible or I didn't abstain from such and such in such a such a, a, a setting because I didn't want to be a legalist. Mm. Right. So I don't, don't want to be a hypocrite. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Um, so the you know, the, the tension is that like there are certain things that we're that we're supposed to be doing as Christians um, and yet we're saved by faith and not by works. Mm. So how in so how in the world do we make sense of this, hmm. right? And and you mentioned that quote uh, by by John by John Owen from Mortification of Sin uh, that as a new believer was really helpful to me, um, and it's fairly early on in the book. I think this is. Let me just make sure I have it right. This is chapter three, um, and John Owen he's talking about the. He's talking about the 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 uh, Roman Catholics, mm-hmm. monks and priests, and he says this that the many ways and means they use and insist upon for this end, the end of mortification of sin, the more the 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 end of Christian growth, the ways and means that they use were never appointed of God for that purpose. In other words, they're they're pursuing ways of dealing with sin in their lives and of growing as Christians that God never appointed. He never told them to do that. And like, what are some examples, you know? I mean, we've talked about at our men's study on Fridays and mortification, like God never said to move to a cave and sell all your goods. He never (laughs) said to do that, right? right? (laughs) And that's just one example. He also never said don't marry. He never said that. And, and yet that's one of the ways and means they use to try to grow in Christ, right? Well, Mm -hmm. or supposedly... Mm-hmm. Um, but then he says this, and here's the quote that you were, you know, referring to that I referred to. Uh, but the things that are appointed of God as means, and let me just ask you, Lloyd, before I even go on any further, what are some of the things that God has appointed as means of battling sin or of mm-hmm. Christian growth? Well, the, the first one would definitely be the ministry of the Word. You know, I mean, that's so clear in Scripture, you know, back to Ephesians 4, um, verses 11 through 16, how God has designed 
um, you know, the preaching ministry of the word to equip the saints for the work of service so that we're all working together to grow into the measure of the fullness of the stature of Christ and the maturity, stability, unity. It all begins with that ministry of the word, the word preached. And now in our day, uh, how blessed we are to be able to have, you know, copies of the Word of God like Christians for centuries did not have in our own language in a bazillion different translations. Um, And so we're able to study the Word on our own. We're able to hear the Word preached. We're able to discuss it. Um, That is the primary means that God uses, not not only to bring people to salvation, but once you're saved, He's at work through that Word. Um, In fact, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 Uh, You know, Paul says in verse uh, 13 uh, to the the Thessalonians how they received that word, uh, not as just the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God. And then he adds to that, that it is performing its work in you. And so God is at work through his word in the life of the believer to Mm. change them, to transform them. Yeah. Yeah, the ministry of the Word, that's, I mean, we were talking about that just this morning too, right? Mm-hmm. At, at our, uh, that's chapter 9 of Mortification of Sin. Yeah. Um, but an, another one, you know, talking about, okay, you know, the ways and means that God has appointed for dealing with sin in our lives and growing as Christians. Uh, you know, I think about Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, encourage one another daily, and of course, I'm reading my new inspired version oh, here, wow. the 1984 edition. Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, the author writes: encourage one another daily, exhort one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Mm. So, you and I warning each other. Mm exhorting each other, encouraging each other to fight sin and to press on in what's right. Mm. God you actually uses that to protect my heart against hardening from sin. Mm. Right? So God has appointed the means of the people of God. Yeah. Right? As a means yeah. of growing us. Yeah. As a means of growing us in Christ. But then, but here's what John Owen says, you know, going back to the Catholics. Uh, the things that are appointed of God as means for battling sin and for Christian growth, they are not used by them in their due place and order. Those things are to be looked on as streams, but they look on those things as the fountain itself. Hmm. You know, and then he says this, if they, if they pray so much and fast so much, if they keep their hours, if they read their Bibles, if they go to church, the work is done. Hmm. So what's the distinction, Lloyd? What is the distinction that John Owen is making? Yeah, that, that those things in and of themselves are what brings about change, as if you just check off the boxes. Yeah. And I think like if you brought what John Owen is saying into our modern day Christian culture, you know, we, we talk about devotion time, you know, yeah. which is a good thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, we just talked about, hey, read your Bible, of course. Um, but, you know, we so often turn it into, you know, okay, I read a chapter of my Bible, check that box, so now I'm good. I had a good day. 
you know, that, that, that's considered a good day in the Lord because I checked that box. Yeah. Um, rather than reading that word, as he says, uh, as that, that stream out, out of which, you know, I, I'm reading it to understand it. And throughout the day, I'm thinking on it. I'm meditating on it. So it doesn't matter if I read one chapter or three chapters or even just a few verses or whatever. But the intention is that I'm taking that word and I'm making it my meditation. And through that truth, God is transforming me. And that's the key right there, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that really is the key. The key is that I'm not even really reading my Bible for today. And some people do have that kind of, I think, lucky rabbit's foot view of it, mm. right? That you hear people say like, well, I read my Bible today and I had a great day yep. and I didn't read it yesterday and it was horrible, you yep. know? Or the, or the guy who just kind of flips through the Bible and, you know, comes to the page, puts his finger on the verse and reads it. That's the verse for the day. Right. You know? Yeah. The difference in what you just said is that I'm actually coming to this book to be changed by it. Yeah. And to be conformed to the image of Christ. Because that's exactly what Jesus said the, the word does, right? John 17, 17. Yeah. You know, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Make them more like Jesus through your word. Mm. Uh, and so, I mean, if we can put all this together, you know, my big conclusion, I wrestled with some of those same things as a new believer. Uh, the whole issue of daily Bible reading was a really big one for me as a new believer. Mm. Um, but through John Owen, the con in, in this passage that that you know that I that you mentioned that I mentioned, uh, my 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 big conclusion was this: is that I'm coming to God's Word not to accomplish Christianity, but to become more like Christ, mm. and that's the huge difference yes. between. Those Roman Catholics that John is going, that John Owen is going after, and what we're talking about here. Yeah. Right? Like, those guys think that they have actually accomplished Christianity. The work is done, they can check off their list, and now they can go and spend their eight hours a day playing Candy Crush or whatever, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but no, but, but we're in it for the long game, and the long game is change. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And change is a process that just happens day by day, moment by moment, you know, week by week. I mean, it, it, it's it's something that God is just doing in us. And, um, you know, it happens as we make use of those means. You know, one, one of the interesting things, too, that Owen mentions um, and that, that you brought out, like, you know, moving to a cave or something like that or forbidding marriage, um, those are things that God ha has not commanded. So it's not just that we can be legalistic in, in using the things that God has commanded, but sometimes we go beyond that and, mm. and make up our own list of things, you know, do's and don'ts. Like, I have my own list of things that I don't do, and as long as I don't do those, then I had a good day. Or I have the list of, you know, don't do's plus some do's, and, you know, whatever that list is for me, as long as I checked off all those boxes, that was a good day. With, ever, with not ever thinking about, am I actually growing in my walk with the Lord, because it, again, it's all about this external checklist. Um, yeah, and what what are some of those issues? I mean, as in your, you know, in your this kind of circles that you were in um, during your life growing up, and as and as a new believer, uh, I know that those those kind of external standards were kind of a big deal in those circles, right? Like, what yeah. were what were some of those issues? 
Well, like music would be one of them, you know, uh, if you don't listen to this particular kind of music. Um, but so you, no K-Love? <laughs> <laughs> no K-Love. Yeah, right. that would be abominable. Okay, okay so yeah, no K-Love. Uh, uh, yeah, so, you know, any, you know, particular kinds of music, um, you know, only, you know, sanctified music, which would be, a, you know, a whole category of itself or whatever, sacred music. Um, or like dress, you know, yeah. um, if you dress appropriately. And, you know, it's not to say, too, that, that some of those things aren't born out of, you know, sometimes a, a desire to be pleasing to the Lord. Because yeah. there, there is, uh, you know, clear commands about how we need to view, you know, things like music and dress and things like that. There's appropriateness. There's modesty. There, you know, obviously those are important. Um, but, uh, you know, just having a particular standard, you know, that's the issue. It's black and white. Like yeah. this is okay. And this is not. Um, and, and so when you start doing that and, and you just, you know, categorize your spirituality by whether you're doing this, not doing that, that's that legalistic, um, trap that we fall into rather than, you know, saying, Hey, I'm going to be discerning about my music choices, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not going to fill my head with something that is ungodly. But but I'm not going to say, well, just this kind of music. Well, and along those same lines, like kind of going back to what we were saying earlier, uh, that and what John Owen is pointing out here in chapter 3, is that very often in the minds of, of, of a lot of those, a lot of people who have those kinds of standards, you know, like John Owen says here, the work is done, right? I mean, Christianity accomplished. I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've been, I've been a Christian. I've successfully been a Christian yeah. because I haven't listened to the wrong music or I have listened to the right music or I've read my Bible in the day. Mm -hmm. And they never think about those things as, as ways of growing, mm -hmm. as ways of actual Christian growth or actually dealing with sin. Mm -hmm. The sin is not listening to K-Love. Check Christianity. Done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, we're we're not we're not mad at people that have those standards. You know, like right. We don't despise them because we know people like that. We all know people mm -hmm. like that, and all Christians. So many Christians, um, they make decisions about their entertainment. They make decisions about certain holidays, about mm -hmm. music or whatever, and and their desire really is to honor the Lord, like Paul says in Romans fourteen. Right. Yep. The the one. The one who eats, he eats and gives thanks. And the one who abstains, he abstains to the Lord. Yes. So, uh, so how does that, like, how does that play in to this whole question about, about legalism versus spiritual discipline? Mm. Yeah. Well, and that, that relates to, you know, how we're viewing others. So how we view ourselves is one matter, how we relate to others uh, and, and their issues of conscience, because that's really what you're talking about, um, is, is so important. And so, yeah, you know, and Scripture calls that person that is hung up on whatever the weaker brother, you know. So his conscience is wrongly informed um, or he hasn't uh, grown to the place where, where he understands the freedom that maybe he has in that area um, as to where... Uh, another brother who is is called you know the stronger brother in the sense that they understand that freedom uh, has and so 
there's duties on both sides. You know, there's duties for the stronger brother not to pass judgment on the one who's kind of hung up on something like that. As long as, and we got to be clear about this, that, that we're talking about conscience issues. So we're not talking about someone who's saying that you have to do such and such in order to be right with God yeah. in the sense of salvation. Right. So this is just someone who is just, you know, convinced that this is something that pleases the Lord and in their own conscience, uh, they need to do it because if they don't, they, they actually would be sinning. That's what Paul says in this passage, you know, if they're violating their conscience because they're not doing it in faith. Yeah. So the stronger brother is, is damaging that, that weaker brother, uh, you know, when he uh, despises him for that and treats him as lesser than and, and tries to have an attitude like, hey, man, just, just come along here. You know, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Get with the program. But the weaker brother also has the duty to the stronger brother not to judge him. So this right. can can be tricky in the fellowship. But I've heard you say before, Tony, uh, and I like how you phrase it, is that that um, unity doesn't mean that we all uh, believe exactly the same with these convictions of conscience, and that God actually anticipated that we would not, and told us how to deal with it. Yeah, that's very perceptive. Well, and to agree to a degree, he he actually he doesn't just anticipate those differences; he actually legitimizes them. Hmm. You know, like and not. I mean, somebody's right and somebody's wrong on every one of these issues. And we're going to find out who that is on the day that we stand before the Lord, you know. But but in the meantime, in the meantime, what, what God acknowledges about, about us when we have those differences in conscience and what He expects us to recognize about each other is that we really are trying to do our best to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I will just say, too, that in, in a church like ours— um, that, you know, I, I would say those standards are not really that kind of uh, s- s- externalism with respect to standards is not a big part of a church like ours. Um, I really appreciate uh, the, the people in our assembly who do abstain from things and do have problems with things in their conscience. Mm-hmm. And yet they do not. Uh, they, they don't go around fighting with other people in this assembly about that, yeah. about those things. Mm-hmm. And the other side is true as well. Like those who feel like they can participate, nobody's swinging that hammer around, hurting mm-hmm. other people about it, you know. But I think what you're saying, though, is, is like really good. And that is that like it's one thing to obey your conscience and to do your best to understand and obey what you think the Bible is saying about things like music or whatever. Um, and it's another thing entirely to say, uh, I've listened to the right music, Christianity accomplished, check. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, in order to be a Christian, you have to listen to this kind of music or you cannot listen to that kind of music. Yeah. Like, now we've crossed that line. Yes. From conscience to legalism. Yeah. So even the person that we would say has the weaker conscience in, in the sense that, you know, they believe that rock music is, you know, sinful. Okay, let's just use that as an example. Yeah. Um, and uh, that that's kind of their conscience issue. It would be one thing to say that uh, if as long as I don't listen to any rock music, then I'm good. But I can listen to country music, 
And hey, I, I'm I'm okay, right? Because it wasn't rock music, and they do, uh, and they, they do they that, do right? That. <laughs> yeah. So that's called legalism, you know, right? Um, but right. if they say I'm not going to listen to, to rock yeah. music or uh, you know anything of that that nature, because yeah. I believe that those kind of things are uh, you know not helpful for my Christian walk, and I prefer only to listen to you know music that is, uh, you know, say classical or, you know, like hymns or something like that, because to me, that really just helps me honor the Lord. It keeps my mind focused um, on Him. I I mean, man, I love that, you know. I say, amen, brother, you know, go for it, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, And maybe another Christian doesn't doesn't have that strong of conviction about that, and they feel, hey, I have freedom to, you know, listen to this or that. But of course, that that would require some discernment on that brother's part as well, if he yeah. truly is a stronger brother. Yeah. Um, so that's how we need to view those things. Yeah. One is legalism. <laughs> one is a conscience issue that you're you're sincerely trying to honor the Lord by. You know what you were saying a second ago. It reminds me of a, a Sabbath day's walk. They made a Sabbath day's walk out of mm. music, right? Like. You can take 20 steps on the Sabbath, but you better not take 21, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I rob, I, I never rob banks. I only rob liquor stores. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that, that by the way, is the kind of cons- inconsistencies that we do need to call out and help other brothers grow through because, yeah, you know, right. that's not good. That's not going to help them grow. Yeah. And they think that by not taking that 21st step mm-hmm. or by not robbing that bank, mm-hmm. they have successfully been a Christian. Yeah. And it, and it, and it does Honestly, as I have as I have thought, continued to think about this, like over this week, it just all comes back to that same issue. The responsibility that we have as believers and the purpose for which God saved us is to conform us to the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, it's to make us fully like Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. And he's given us certain things to be at work at, to work out while we're here in this body that he actually uses to grow us in Christ and yeah. protect us from sin. Like the Word of God, we're sanctified by the truth. We we are equipped and we grow and mature uh, in, our, in our faith and in our knowledge of the Son of God through the teaching gifts that God has given to the church, mm-hmm. right? Like we're protected from the hardening effects of sin in our hearts when we exhort one another to do good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and prayer is another one, you know, yeah. corporate prayer, individual prayer, yeah. um, even singing together, you know, as we gather. That's one of the means God uses to reinforce those truths. Yeah. Teach each other in that, right? Mm-hmm. And the whole idea is like learning, progressing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all wrapped up in that idea of teaching. Mm-hmm. They're like, you, you're learning things as you are taught, and we're to teach one another yep. in those songs. Using our spiritual gifts, yeah. uh, serving one another with our gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, even evangelizing, sharing our faith with others. That's part of the way that we grow. Yeah. Uh, of course, we do that typically, you know, when we're kind of scattered. But, um, you know, that that is one way that God grows us as we share that faith. So, I, yeah, there are all these God-ordained means that he's given us. But, you know, I want to back up just a minute uh, and and delve in a little bit more to this issue of, 
you know, we keep saying, okay, there's stuff, there's these means and we're supposed to work and we're supposed to do. That sounds kind of like legalistic stuff, right? Because we're saying do, do, do. Um, In the minds of some who view not only salvation, but sanctification, which is the, you know, the kind of biblical word for how we grow into Christ-likeness, transforming, um, they view that um, as the same as salvation in the sense that, Mm -hmm. you know, we do nothing. Right. Yeah. So and and there's been a lot of teaching that has reinforced that idea that kind of brought it into the church. Right. Mm -hmm. So uh, I kind of like to trace the roots of that a little bit and just talk about, you know, why so many people get confused. I think a lot of times it's not that they're going to their Bible and reading it and, and just, you know, coming away with face value what it says. I think when you do that, you realize that tension there and that there's clearly something that we must do um, by God's grace. But I think that there's been a lot of the teachings that have, that have kind of brought this idea about that, you know, that's, that's really that idea of like, let go and let God, yeah. you know, just, you just sit back and passively do nothing. If you do anything, it's like, you just pray more like God change me into the image of Jesus or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and along with that, I mean, I remember, you know, as a new believer, being being told that very thing, you know, uh, you know, the Lord was really was really gracious to me when I was a new believer, and the change in my life was really was really immediate and radical. And then over time, He kind of took the training wheels off a little, you know, mm-hmm. and I saw that, like, okay that sin really isn't gone. God has just kind of given me a little merciful bubble over these first few years as a believer. Mm-hmm. And so here I was struggling with the, with these, you know, these these sins that I still saw in my life and and with things like reading my Bible and stuff like that. And, and, I, and I would go to leaders sometimes and I would ask them, like, what do I do about this? And they would say, like, well, you can't do anything. You've got to let Jesus do it through you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's you, it. You've, right got, you've got to yield and you've got to allow him to do it through you. Yield. And I'm like, right. That's the buzzword. Right. Yeah. And and I would be like, OK, well, well, how do I yield? And they would say, well, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, talk so, about confusing. right? <laughs> yeah. And so so and, and it is like you said, it's like any effort that the Christian makes is works. Hmm. And implicitly salvation by works. Mm-hmm. Like that's really the kind of the assumption underneath yeah. that whole dynamic, right? Yeah. E- even the issue of salvation, back to the whole issue of like easy believism, right? That, yeah. you know, it, it, like um, the whole issue of like, you know, just believe. Yeah. But there's nothing required of like you examining your heart and repenting from sin. Um, you know, not that we're saved through those things. And yet it's like there's there's this fear of like anything on our part. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it really does damage to what the word of God says about the fact that we are responsible. Right. To work at our salvation, yeah. which you which you open yeah. with. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and even in our salvation, you know, God saves us solely by his grace. Even the faith and repentance that we express are a gift of his grace, and yet we do express them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's so, right. So there is something there. And, and then moving forward, then it's like, okay, you know, he did all the work in saving us, and yet now 
he says, you work this out. Yeah. Um, so that that's so important that, that we understand that. But back to what you were saying. So people are telling you this and you don't know what to do. And where did you go from there? Well, I, thankfully, I found John Owen right during those years. You know, I found mortification of sin. Uh, and John Owen made sense of all of it for me. And this passage that we're talking about, you know, that you that you mentioned, that I mentioned, like this really was one of the ones. I mean, you're looking at my book here. These are my original notes from those mm. years, you know. Uh, and You should frame that. The, <laughs> the scales were coming off my eyes yeah. as I was reading, as I was highlighting this and yeah. stuff. And the thing that I learned was this. Oh, okay. I'm actually responsible to grow in Christ. I can't make myself grow just like the farmer can't make the crops grow. But it, the farmer better be about watering and weeding mm. and, and tilling the soil, mm -hmm. you know, and fertilizing and watering and paying attention to the times of year and those kinds of things. I mean, he has to do that. And God just will not give the increase apart from apart from him doing the things through which God uses to, to cause the increase. Mm. And, and the same thing is true with our spiritual lives. Like, how do we kill sin? Well, you know, I submit to your exhortations. Mm. That protects me against being hardened from sin. Mm. Right? Like, how do I... How, how am I sanctified? How do, how do I become more like Jesus? Through the Word of God, mm. you know? Uh, and, and it just, it comes back to these whole, what I learned is that, is that my responsibility is not to find the things that I can and cannot touch as a Christian. It's not to find the daily rituals or habits that I need to, that I need to put in place in order to be a Christian. Mm. The thing that I learned is that my responsibility is to grow. Mm. And I've got to give myself to the things that God has promised to grow me through. Mm. You know? And, I mean, I, for my part, I, just, I cannot see any other difference between legalism and spiritual discipline than that. Mm. Legitimate spiritual discipline is seeking to grow in Christ. Legalism is seeking to accomplish Christianity. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that's really, really good. Okay, so going back to what you said okay. at the outset about how oftentimes, you know, we'll hear people say, and, and to be honest, early in my Christian life, I even said this myself, yeah. but, you know, like, okay, I know I need to read my Bible, but I'm not going to read it right now because I just, you know, I don't feel like I'm doing it out of the right motive. So I'm not I'm not going to read it today until I my heart is right. Yeah. So what would you say to that person? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh I I mean Paul says right Romans 7, Paul says that we have this part in us, Romans 8, we have this this whole aspect of our being that the Bible calls sin or mm -hmm. the flesh. It uses those terms interchangeably. Mm -hmm. And Paul says in Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 7, that that the flesh is hostile toward God. Mm. It's inimical, you know. Uh, it's enemies toward God. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't submit to His law, and it's not able to do so. So, I mean, I have this part of me. Uh, I know you've heard me talk about it before. Like Dr. Minnick, 
who was just so beneficial to me when I was a new believer. You know, uh, he said that we have this part of us called the flesh, that it's not redeemed and it's not redeemable. Mm. It doesn't submit to God's law and it will never be able to do so. Mm. So it is no wonder when I come to read my Bible that I find this part of me that doesn't want to read it. Because there's a whole part of me that hates the Bible. Mm. Right? Yeah. So basically, I should expect that I'm not going to want to read my Bible sometimes. Or, or go maybe. to church. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or or receive your exhortation when you warn me about something or right. when you encourage me to do something good. Or you see something in my life and you come to me and you say, hey, you know, I did I hear you correctly? I think that you said this. You know, I th- the, the Bible has something to say about what kind of language we use. Mm. You know, you tell me something like that. Of course, there's going to be a part of me that doesn't like that. Mm. I got this whole part of me that hates God. Yeah. So, so you know, so w- whenever I want to do good, evil is going to be right there mm. with me. Right? Yeah. So, but there is the Spirit of God at work within us. So it's not like, it's not like we just always, you know, don't want to read our Bible, don't want to go to church. So, so there's, it's, it's sort of as we grow and as we're making use of these means, that idea of spiritual discipline, which Paul talks about in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, right? Discipline yourself unto godliness. Yeah. Um, as we do that, it does seem that, like, Paul uses a lot of these analogies to physical uh, exercise, right? Like yeah. running the race and things like that. So it, it does seem like as we grow, and, and I've seen this in my life, you know, experientially, not that we judge truth by experience, but our experience should accord with what God says. And yeah. I have seen this in my life, that as I make means uh, or make use of the means that God has given us to grow, my desire for those godly things does grow. Yeah. Just like, you know, as I work out, and, you know, try to get in shape, yeah. my stamina grows physically. And there is more of a desire to do those things because my energy level grows. And and so spiritually, there's kind of a correlation there that Paul brings out in a number of places in the New Testament that, yeah. that as we apply ourselves to those means, we're going to want to do those things more. It, and that right? makes, yeah, and, and that and, makes, go ahead, go so, ahead. I mean, just to interject, like, not fully, though, because, I mean, you know, even if I've been working out for, you know, several months, uh, there's definitely going to be those days where, you know, I don't feel like it. I'm tired and I just don't have the motivation to go go work out today or whatever. Right. Yeah. So the, similarly too, spiritually, we're going to have those those days where, you know, um, our flesh, that unredeemed part of us is just going to get the better end. And, and we're going to have to fight that. Right. We we're constantly in the battle. It's never going to go away. Yeah. You know, and, you know, right along those lines, I mean, that is a really, really great point, because I have had the same experience in my life as a believer. My desires for good things has has increased and strengthened Mm -hmm. and my and my disgust for sin and my my aversion to it has increased. Now, obviously, you know, my wife will tell you that I still have my issues. Uh, (laughs) Right. (laughs) But. But uh, and the Lord knows, but I I have definitely seen uh, like I have definitely seen that progression. And that makes perfect sense. If, again, 
God saved us to conform us to the image of Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, like the New Testament calls us to grow in Christ likeness, to renew our minds, mm -hmm. to uh, Paul talks about the inner man being renewed day by day. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, so what you're saying makes perfect sense that as I, as I, as I give myself to the things that God has promised to grow me through, that I see myself becoming more like Jesus. Mm -hmm. I see my affections becoming more in tune with his. Mm -hmm. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, that's what maturity is, right? Yeah. How do you become more mature? Right. And so you never reach that point where you say, oh, yeah, I, I've reached it. I'm good. Right. You know, now I can just sit on the couch and eat potato chips all day. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Spiritually, I can, I can right. just <laughs> kick back and, you know, retire from, you know, the means of grace. No, yeah. you can't. Uh, and you've always got a ways to go. And sin's always nipping at your heels. Yeah. However, you are going to grow and, and you're going to develop some of those, uh, you know, convictions in your soul that are going to begin to anchor you yeah. and you're going to move past some of those things. It's just like when you're struggling with a life dominating sin yeah. um, and, and you just feel like you can't break free from it. And then, you know, by God's grace, you begin to, to put that sin to death and you begin to put on righteousness. And pretty soon, you know, you look back and you realize, oh, I, I'm not in the, the heat of the battle like I used to be. I mean, I used to have bullets whizzed over my head, you yeah. know, uh, yeah. when it came to that sin. But now, you know, it's it's just taking shots at me, uh, you know, from from the shadows. Yeah. Um, but, but I'm not dealing with that like I used to. Why? Because I have applied myself vigorously to those means of grace yeah. and God has grown me. Yeah. And that, that brings us, you know, to... The whole issue of, of how we do change, I mean, it just comes down to, like, when we talk about, like, okay, what is it we do? We make use of these means of grace, which means that not only do we do them, right? But So, so we read our Bible, we yeah. listen to preaching, we pray, we fellowship, we do all these things. But rather than viewing them as boxes to check off, they're like Owen says, they're streams that cause us to be obedient to the Word of God, yeah. right? Yeah. And and the Spirit of God is working through the Word of God to prompt us, to push us on to that obedience. Yeah. And that's where, you know, like I love in Ephesians 4, where he says that, you know, uh, there was this old self yeah. that we've put off, right? Yeah. yeah. And that's the flesh, right? <laughs> that, that's that old self that you know at conversion we we turn from that old self and there's this new man there's this this new desire in me yeah. the, this regenerated heart yeah. that God has given me and now what i need to do is put to death the habits of that old self yeah you know, because that old self has bad habits that are ungodly. Yeah. Yeah. And I need to actively now put those to death. But not only that, I need to put something in their place. Yeah. And so that's why, why he says, Ephesians 4, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, yeah. which means like, you know, you're taking in the word of God, you're informing yourself with what God says. And then he says, 
and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. And then he says, therefore, and he starts giving a bunch of examples of what this looks like. I mean, he says, having put away falsehood, so that's that habit of the old man that's corrupt through evil desires, telling lies, put that off, stop lying. And he says, having put that off, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So stop being deceptive, stop lying. Start telling the truth, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and, and so forth, you know. And, and so this is the way that God changes us. So the work that we do is, is not just checking off the boxes of doing this, doing that, as far as these means of grace. Right. But it is giving ourselves to them for the purpose of responding to to the truth of God's word that is is becoming uh, real in us as, as we're responding to it, yeah. and we're obeying those things and putting off those habits and putting on the new. Yeah, so so you said kind of er- earlier on at the beginning of that, that like I really like what, what you said about, you know, like God regenerating us, bringing us to life mm. when we're believers, you know, and... Just as you're talking, it makes me think about, like, yes, that's right. My, you know, I, I, before I was saved, all I had was the flesh that hated God. I didn't have any other part of me. That was all I had. Right. But now that I'm a believer, I still have the flesh, um, but I have this new life in me. And, you know, God planted this seed of new life in my heart. And my responsibility as a Christian is to cause that seed to grow Mm. and to cause that life to expand. And I do that by doing the things that we're talking about. Right. So like God didn't save me to make me a seed waterer. Mm. You know, he, he made me, he's, he didn't save me to, to make me a, a churchgoer. Right. He saved me. He planted this life in my heart. So that I could be somebody who benefits and grows from church. Yeah. Right. And that was the thing that that really was encouraging to me as a new believer when I was struggling with sin. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I didn't know what to make of a lot of these things, uh, these deficiencies in my life. And John Owen just helped me to see it like this. Mm-hmm. God is going to grow you through church. Mm-hmm. So go prayerfully and ask him to grow you through it. Yeah. God says that he's going to grow you as you serve. So scrub that toilet and pray to God that he grows you and others around you through that toilet scrubbing. Right? Because I I learned to look at my service. I learned to look at these quote-unquote spiritual disciplines that way as a new believer. That God is using these things to grow me. Yeah. Right? Yeah, because he's... Working through those desires towards his end. So so let's use that as an example because that's so concrete. Like you think of scrubbing a toilet. Yeah. You know, like legalism would be like, okay, I'm scrubbing the toilet, God. Yeah. When are you going to change me? I'm yeah. waiting. You know, I scrub the toilet. Check off. All right, you're going to change me, right? Yeah. But, but no, you're scrubbing the toilet because you know that that's serving your brothers and sisters in Christ and you're doing it for the Lord Jesus and you're humbling yourself to scrub a toilet for the good of his people, right? I mean, there's something rich and deep going on in the heart when you do that, right? And that's what, like, you know, everybody always comes back to Galatians 5, which, you know, is kind of that seminal passage with, with this where he says, you know, 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Right? Yeah. Well, what does he mean? Well, when you get down to verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Right? And so the Spirit of God is working those desires in you. Yeah. And then you're just doing the things that God calls you to do that that have very practical application like that, right? You're yeah. not going to find a verse that says, scrub the, the toilet at the church, yeah. <laughs> right? right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but he does say serve, yeah. right? Yeah. Serve your, love your, your, your brothers and sisters, yeah. love one another, right? Yep. And so you're working out those heart desires um, and, and you're doing these things for the purpose of growing into the likeness of, of Christ. You're not doing them to check off a box, so yeah. that he just does it for you. Right? Yeah, like what is it? Uh, uh, the Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, mm. you know? Like Christians weren't saved to scrub toilets, right? Mm. Uh, scrubbing toilets is something that's given to Christians to do, Yeah. right? Really, and, the, and that God intends to benefit them through. Yeah. Um, so if we could if we could kind of like like put a cap on this, and just really kind of bring it down to a fine point, you know, the difference between spiritual discipline and legalism, what, what can we say? Like, how should, how should Christians really understand that in just a really simple, practical way? Like, if we could just kind of tidy it, tie it all up. Well, the legalism is checking off the boxes of things that either God has given to us or perhaps hasn't given to us that we've added to that and uh, just viewing your Christian life as uh, doing those things equals my Christianity Um, as to where uh, spiritual discipline means that I'm making use of these means that God has given me in order to grow they're the streams as, as Owen says out of which comes that growth yeah and and viewing them correctly not just checking them off right and like you were saying a minute ago it's not like uh he he does grow me in in his own good time through those things right like i can't it's not like i'm gonna scrub the toilet and tomorrow i'm gonna stop uh bickering at my wife yeah like it, it doesn't work like that no it's it is like uh this this whole mentality of of uh God keeping his promise to work through me as I as I give myself to the things he's 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 given me to do. Yeah. You know, I go out and I water that seed in faith mm. and I throw the fertilizer on it in faith. Yes. And I can't make that seed grow, but God can and he says that he will if I water it. Yeah. Right? And I mean yeah, I mean I think that that's about as that's about as like straightforward as it gets. Like the difference between uh, difference between them is growth versus accomplishing Christianity. Yeah. Uh, what what was that? One more thing, I just want to you know back to the whole question of you know if I don't feel like reading my Bible today, what should I do? Well, what I do? <laughs> are you asking me? Yeah, I okay. mean, if, if I feel like, you know, I'm not yeah. going to read it because my heart's not right. Yeah, that you know? that I would say that that person, if 
if somebody is saying that, what they have not understood is the nature of indwelling sin. Uh, the nature of indwelling sin is that you always have this part in you that hates God. The flesh is hostile toward God. It does not submit to his law, and and it never will do that. Right. So basically, I, I just need to do it anyways, right? <laughs> well, yeah, well, basically, right? my, my... Is that being legalistic is what I'm saying? No, I say, no. I'm, I'm going to do it anyways, even even if even if I, you know, my motivation really isn't there today. I'm just going to do it anyways. Well, is that being legalistic? That's where, that's where what you know trumps how you feel. Because what I know is, you yeah. know what, I don't feel like going out and watering the crops today. But Lord... You've told me to water the crops, and you've said that you'll grow them, and I have a responsibility to be responsible. Yeah. So help me to water the crops. And then and then you grit your teeth, and you roll up your sleeves, and you go out in faith and water those crops to the yeah. glory of God. Yeah. <laughs> right? right? That's what you do, trusting that you're yeah. doing what God has told you to do for the reasons that he's told you to do it. And that's really the issue, right? Yeah. That you're doing this ultimately— because you, by faith, trust God that even though maybe you don't feel like this right now, He's going to work through this yeah. um, to accomplish His means. And you're not just saying, well, I read read my Bible today, it was a good day. Right. Or I didn't, well, it, was, it wasn't a good day. Right. Yeah, that that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, and it's not like, um, and it's all the way, what you said all the way back to the very beginning, like, it's going to take work. It's mm. going to take work. You've got to put in the work. And work feels like work, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like vacation. Right. Otherwise, maybe Paul would have picked out a different word instead mm. of work out your salvation. Yeah. Like maybe he would have said, I don't know, you know, like now that you have been saved by faith, like grab your beach towel and your umbrella <laughs> because it's all smooth sailing from yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. yield. Yeah. Go ahead yeah. and grab your yeah. beach towel because yeah. you're going to do a lot of yielding. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what he says. Yeah. You know? yeah. Roll up your sleeves and get to work. Yeah. Like, and get to work by faith, trusting God. You know? That's good. All right. Well, now that we've solved the world's problems, Lloyd, yeah. can you point people to just... One or two really good resources on this uh, issue, whether it's like a sermon series or maybe a particular sermon or a book, like what would you say? Well, uh, recently I just preached a sermon um, called A Life-Changing Workout Plan. It's oh, yeah. available on our website from yeah. Philippians 2, 12 through 13 that really addresses uh, this particular issue. Um, and, uh, you know... Uh, Mortification of Sin is a great book to read. I mean, it's it's heavy, but it, it's really wonderful. It's an exposition of Romans eight thirteen, yeah, and it's available in a, in a, a newer, updated version by uh, what's that guy's name? Aaron Wren. Aaron Wren. Yeah, yeah, and it's um, pretty good. Yeah, not He's too done bad. a good job. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, there's a couple of of resources. Any that you can think of that have been helpful, other than Owen. I know he's your go to guy. Um, yeah, he really is my go-to guy. John John Owen, more than anybody, mortification of sin was just really revolutionary for me as a new believer. Um, but so was Andy Nacelli. Mm. He's a really kind of an unknown guy, I think, to a lot of people. Mm. Um, but Andy Nacelli has done actually quite a bit of work on this whole issue of uh, of 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 sanctification and growing in grace. Uh, and he's done a lot to combat the idea that you can just yield and grow. Mm. Um, and he has a, 
series of a bunch of sermons and lectures on this topic. And I don't remember what it's called off off the top of my head. If I can find it, I'll put a link to it in the in the post here. But um, that was also extremely helpful. Hmm. Uh, do you know who he is, Andy Nacelli? Yeah, yeah, I heard of him. Yeah. yeah, he's a really sharp guy. That was also extremely helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, John Owen's been helping Christians grow and change for four hundred years, so you can't mm-hmm. go wrong there. Yeah, no. you know, that's a pretty yeah. good track record. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. All right, uh, a pastoral podcast, episode one in the books. And Lord willing, we will be back with another question uh, next month.